This is Bryce Pappenbrook. I play Machina Kunigiri in Final Fantasy Type-0 HD. And you're listening to Final Fantasy Union. Hi everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Final Fantasy Union podcast to celebrate the release of Final Fantasy Type Zero HD. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Dan from Square Enix. Hello. And we're joined today by Bryce Pappenbrook. Hey Bryce, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Weather's yeah. holding out. Yeah, the weather, especially pretty good weather. Yeah, don't jinx it. To, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, now it's going to be horrible. Oh, uh, yeah, it's suddenly going to start raining. <laughs> and the rain comes right when you say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what well, is sunny outside? It's the typical LA weather for me. Uh, 75 and clear. It just makes me feel really angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, our, we- our weather's not so good now. <laughs> no. But then again, we always complain when it gets warm over here, too. So. Complain when it's warm, complain when it's cold. Yeah. There is no good temperature over here. Yeah, I mean, cold for us is like 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's that's kind of freezing. So that's <laughs> like about 10, 15 degrees Celsius, right? There, there you go, yeah. Something like yeah, that, yeah. Like that. Oh, that's a warm day. <laughs> yeah, so um, Bryce has had a pretty illustrious career in the voiceover world, um, and he's had roles ranging from Eren in Attack on Titan through to Tiz in uh, Square Enix's Bravely Default. And he also lended his voice to Zidane from the Dissidia game. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. But for the purposes of this interview, of course, we're interested in his role as Machina in uh, Type-Zero HD. But before we dive into those questions, if you're listening for the first time, uh, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. And it's presented by the Gaming Union Network and Square Enix. It will come out on the iTunes store, FinalFantasyUnion.com and YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. So we've got an interesting question up first for you, Bryce. Um, who do you think is a better ladies' man, Zidane or Machina? <laughs> Starting off with a good one, huh? Wow, I mean, that's that's kind of tough. And, and you say Zidane. I've, I've heard Zidane, Zidane, Zidane. I, I Zidane, say, that's I, a I only say Zidane because there's a really famous football player who is called Zinedine Zidane, and that's just yeah. my reference. Is he, is he famous <laughs> anymore, though? He's been out of the game for quite a while. He's, he's still around. Is he? Doing stuff. Yeah, no. yeah, I think I think I've heard of him. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't remember Machina picking up any girls. So I would have to say uh, Zidane. That's good, good point actually. Yeah, I mean he's he's pretty slick. I mean he he uh, pops out in Dissidia and only has about three seconds to say something and comes off as a ladies' man. So I, I think he might be better with the ladies. There you go then. So yeah, moving on. Um, got a question about you being. Um, a keen martial artist and just wondering if that helps you with your voiceover especially like doing kind of action voices and whatnot absolutely um and teaching martial arts uh really helped me develop and strengthen my voice you know yelling at kids for years and years in the karate studio has made me uh used to yelling in the booth so it's it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely helped with my voice acting also, a lot of times when you're working in games where you're fighting, um, it's specific sounds that you make when you get punched or hit. Well, I know what it feels like and the sounds that you make when you actually do get hit or kicked in the face. Um, so I can make you know, very authentic sounds because they're, they're coming from experience. 
Do you ever think about bringing uh, one of your students in to just make it really authentic? <laughs> just just slug somebody and, <laughs> and and record those sounds as I'm doing that? That would be kind of fun. <laughs> Maybe it's something to consider for a, for your next role. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's just hope that you don't have to do too many takes. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Third take. <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of wind on the mic on that one. Sorry, I'm going to have to hit you again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on that note have you actually been able to incorporate any of the uh, the martial arts training you've done with any of the one of the acting you've done at all yeah I mean I definitely think about you know the, the way I am when I'm in a fight or you know my my thought process as I'm playing a character when you're voice acting you only have one tool your voice so I can't really you know showcase my martial arts skills too much um, you never really know that I'm a martial artist unless you hear the sounds and go, oh, that sounds like someone really getting punched or really throwing a punch. So, you know, I think about that stuff every time I'm in the booth and inside fight scenes, try to make it as realistic as possible. Cool. So Daryl mentioned before your, I guess, your illustrious credits. Do you find it easier or more difficult doing like kind of Japanese anime roles or Japanese games? Or is it like really no difference? Um, well, I mean, they're both great. There, there are different challenges for each one. When you're working on anime or dubbing, you have to focus on sync as well as performance. So when you're working, you have the anime playing in front of you and you're speaking as your character is speaking. So timing is very important when it comes to dubbing. When you're working on a game, timing's also important, but in a different way. There'll be maybe three seconds or five seconds that you have to deliver a certain line and you have to stay within those time constraints and deliver that line. So it's two different skills that you have to develop. A lot of times when you're recording on video games, you're moving at a quicker pace because you have more things to say. Like for when I recorded for Tiz uh, in Bravely Default, um, I had a ton of lines. So... Uh, the majority of those lines were not to sync. They were just timed lines. So if all of those lines were to sync, it would have. I would probably still be working on the game. So it, it's just different uh, skills that you develop working on those two things. Both are awesome to do. Do you find that you perhaps in that case get a bit more freedom with games, considering yeah, you, all you have to do is consider you know getting in the time frame that you can adapt a little bit more. Well, I mean, it, it all depends on your characters. Sometimes characters lend themselves to a little more interpretation, and sometimes you're sort of stuck in a box, and you have to stay within that, you know, sort of box and still be able to act. So, it, you know, it, it just depends on the job. I mean, on that note, I mean, obviously you've voiced three main characters in Square Enix games now. Um, how's your experience been between the three of them? Because as you mentioned, uh, Tiz was one of the main characters and you had a ton of lines. Uh, whereas Zidane was probably the opposite end of the spectrum, where, as you said, you only had a couple of seconds to really get your uh, get your point across. Yeah, I mean, all three experiences were slightly different. I mean, they're all three very different characters. But any time I get to work for Square Enix, I'm excited. I, I was a huge fan of Final Fantasy growing up. Um, and actually, my, my favorite game was the original Final Fantasy, where you pick, you know, fighter, thief, white mage, black mage. That was my, my favorite game when number I was a kid. Wow, no one says number one. That's, that's yeah, Final Fantasy 1, I guess. I've been a fan since then. And actually, recently, um, it's, it's really cool with the new, uh, like, iOS games. I downloaded Final Fantasy 1, and I've been playing it on the planes 
um, as I've been tr- doing all my travels. That is, that is a good way to spend your time. Oh, yeah, because Final Fantasy and RPG games will eat up tons of time. I have Final Fantasy Nine. I still have not played. I was at a convention, and I mentioned that, and an extremely nice fan brought me a copy of Final Fantasy Nine. So it's sitting there waiting to be played when I have the time to play it. Um, I've just been so crazy busy, I haven't been able to sit down and enjoy an RPG for a while. Other than, you know, Final Fantasy 1 on the planes. When, when you actually get around to playing Final Fantasy 9, does that mean you're going to be voicing Zidane as you play through it? <laughs> a bunch of people have asked me that, and I think I'm going to have to record myself doing that. <laughs> I, I think that would be kind of funny. Try and bring in the, any of the other characters that have, have uh, had their voices from 9 interpreted. Or you could bring in maybe a couple of your friends and do a, do a voiceover playthrough. Hey, there we go. That could be fun. Yeah, I don't know if any of the characters have been voiced. Kuja, maybe? Oh, yeah. Couldn't in this idea. But I guess they only two. There we go. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, that would be cool. I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> hey, maybe there's an idea for the future. <laughs> oh, ooh. We'll see what we can do there. Moving on to your, you know, I say the, the other third character you're famous for, um, to the Final Fantasy. What did you do to prepare for your role as Machina? Well, there's not much you can do for um, these roles. Um, Squareness especially likes to keep things very secret. So going in and working on the project, I didn't even know what I was working on because they had a secret title for the name. And obviously you sign these NDAs and you're not allowed to talk about anything. So you don't know much about the game or the role before you go in. So all you can do is go in and be ready to work. That must be quite difficult in a way if, if because, but I guess since you've been doing it for a while, you're, you're pretty much used to that approach. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very comfortable in the booth and I'm used to, you know, just adapting and just sort of going with my gut. And I think that's when the best, uh, when I'm able to deliver the best work, when I just go with what feels natural and I can just get into the moment. And that's that's really what I had to do when I played Machina. Yeah, I suppose the voice directors, I suppose, yeah, pick you on, you know, in your auditions or whatever. So you've got to have like faith in you and your skills. But do you find that they give you enough direction when you're in the booth, that even though you're not quite sure what may, maybe the game's about or what's necessarily going on, that you still feel that, you know, you've got enough to go on? Absolutely. And the recordings for um, these games are especially fun because not only do we have a U.S. crew that's in the room next to me, but we were also patched into Japan um, so every time I would deliver a line, what they would do is I would come up on a line, I would deliver it three times, then they would talk about it and discuss and pick out which one they liked and the elements of the line that they liked, and then they would give me feedback and say, well, we like number two, but we want you to put a little more energy towards the end of the line, or we want you to be angrier, or we want, you know, they would adjust it. And then I would deliver three more, and they would do the same thing. And it's just constantly um, improving and adjusting lines until they work well and they work well with the other characters because when we record we're in the booth by ourselves so i have no idea who uh what the person i'm talking to is going to sound like so i have to really trust the team that's there and i i feel for this project especially they they did a great job cool so when you say they like the japan team gave you direct feedback since you gave the lines is that normal 
I mean, is that, or is that quite unusual for, for recording sessions? It, it all depends on the project. Sometimes um, we're patched into, you know, a group of execs, and sometimes it's just the people in the other room. It, it all depends. And, and whenever there's something that's sort of high profile, a lot of people want to put their, their you know, hands in it and adjust it and make sure it's exactly how it's supposed to be. And that's what they did with this project. I mean, they really took a lot of time to get what they wanted. I mean, you mentioned there that the when you're doing a voiceover work like this, uh, typically you're working in complete isolation to the other characters. I mean, is that something you you like doing or is that something you, you wish uh, would be changed? Because I know in Final Fantasy XV, they're, they're kind of bringing the cast all together to record that. Yeah, and uh, again, it all depends on the project. I've worked on both sides. When you're, uh, when you're doing dubbing, or you're uh, recreating something that is already done in another language, um, typically timing is a factor. And whenever you're dealing with timing and performance, it's very difficult to hit that by yourself. So to hit that as a group altogether um, is even more challenging. So, you know, time is a, a big factor because delivering this amount of dialogue is expensive and just takes a lot of time and, and a, a lot of crew there at that time. So that's always a factor. If, if you know, budget was not in the picture, I assume that they would take, you know, forever bringing everyone together and hitting everything at the perfect timing and playing off each other. But it, again, it all depends on what kind of project it is. If they're animating to the voice actors then it's different and everyone can be in the room at the same time. I mean, for me, I love what I do, so it's all good. You know, both types of work, whether I'm working on anime or a video game or original animation, I love it all. I didn't realize that. Actually. I was just doing a little bit of background. That you actually have two parents who are also into voice acting. What was that like? Did that have a big influence on your career decision or did it just happen actually? Or, you know, is it something you always wanted to do regardless? Well, I mean, I, I think um, the the real driving factor for me, um, you know, to push forward in voice acting um, was my dad. He was awesome. Um, he's he's the reason why I am a voice actor. Uh, I was eight years old, and my dad was working on Power Rangers. He played Rito Revolto, the skeleton dude on Power Rangers, and uh, he brought me to work with him one day. And at the end of his session, the director was like, hey, we need a kid's voice. And my dad's like, he's a kid, throw him in the booth. <laughs> and uh, I I jumped in and that's how I became a voice actor. That must have been pretty awesome though. I mean, like any any kid being taken to the set of Power Rangers, that's like a dream come true. I mean, it, it really was. To be able to go and they, they had all the monster suits. They had like a bunch of those monster suits lining the stairway up into the recording studio so it was so fun for me to go to work with my dad did you try any of them on <laughs> i wish i could i wish i could have um <laughs> i mean i don't think they would have fit me at the time ah <laughs> uh, don't make it fit but, yeah yeah get stilts and whatnot there we go that would have been awesome so we actually <laughs> have a question here from uh, some samson Ida who wants to know what was your favorite part about voicing machina it's it's hard to choose one specific moment I think whenever I get an opportunity to work on a project like this, I'm just excited to be there and excited the entire time. So I can't, you know, point to one specific point and say that was my favorite moment of working on the project. I think maybe just seeing everything sort of come together. And 
I haven't had time to play the game through yet, but I've seen clips and I've seen how the, the gameplay looks and it is beautiful. I, I love the HD version of, of Type Zero. I mean, it just looks amazing. So seeing everything come together and, and hearing my voice come out of that character is, you know, so satisfying. Did that ever get weird? Like, or have you got used to it when you, you know, you see clip like trailers or see someone playing the game or play the game yourself and you hear your voice? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience for me. I, I really enjoy it. Um, who it's weird for is my dogs. Um, <laughs> they just trip out. Like they don't understand what's happening. Um, I, I've played games that I'm in before and like my character will be yelling or in a fight and they'll just look at me confused and be like, why are you, your mouth isn't moving and you're screaming right now. <laughs> it just, it just trips them out. That's, I wouldn't have actually thought of that. Um, <laughs> so on that note, do you feel like you connect with Machina on any personal level at all? Or is he very different from what you're like? I, I think that he is uh, different from my own personality. I mean, I'm more, I, w- I would say, sort of happy-go-lucky. Um, he seems to be a very serious character, and uh, which, I mean, the game is a very sort of serious game. So I, I don't think that my, my personality is too similar to him, especially without spoiling anything towards the end of the game. I'm not really like that. But um, to get into that mind frame is really fun to do i mean on that note um obviously as you alluded to there machina's character kind of evolves as the story goes through i mean without giving away uh, any spoilers i mean did that did that have to change how you voiced him uh from when you started the recording to to when you ended definitely um i mean towards the end of my recording and again without trying to spoil anything i was pushed down into sort of the deepest area of my voice um a much darker place and, uh, I mean, we had two very different voices for that character. So things sort of changed at the end. We, we ran through the entire game of Machina one way and then started again and ran through that other arc of Machina a very different way. That must have been quite exciting for you as well then to, to kind of see the different dimensions of the same character. It, it was. And again, I, I had no idea going in that any sort of change would happen. So I um, just had to go with my gut and, and trust the team and, uh, you know, be there for the ride. And that's cool because, yeah, like, I guess out of all the characters in Type 0 HD, Machina is probably the one that I'd say grows up the most and, like, really quickly. Yeah, and really changes. Yeah, so um, I guess you say you recorded two different sides to Machina. That means I guess you've got like a different experience to most voice acting uh, for these characters. Did any funny stories come out from the recording sessions? Um, you know, when I was in there, I was trying to stay pretty professional, especially because there were so many people involved with my recording sessions. Like I mentioned, it was not only a, a team of people in the outside of the soundproof glass, but also every single recording session was patched into Japan. So I was trying to stay as professional as I could to, um, you know, to, to limit my time um, and, and to move as, as quickly as possible, but get the highest quality. So I stayed pretty, uh, you know, pretty calm and, and uh, relaxed during the sessions. I guess one thing that sort of sticks out that's, that's kind of random, that's outside of the booth, at this particular recording studio, they have the best coffee machine ever. <laughs> I 
I don't think I've ever drank that much coffee while at work. Um, I, I would leave there and just be wired and not be able to sleep because I would go through like four or five delicious coffees <laughs> like every single time I was in the studio. It's like, Bryce, what are you still doing here? Your session ended an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I'm just I, hanging out. I go by that studio and I'm always so tempted to just like go, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, coffee? <laughs> <laughs> you're going with a flask you just like fill it up all the time like i'm just just gonna go home now just you know get a secret stash it's it's like a bonus whenever i get hired there because i know i'm gonna drink like 20 coffees during my sessions it's just that, that there's gonna be that one time when you go there and the coffee machine's no longer there oh it would break my heart don't say that take it back <laughs> but although maybe they might improve it maybe they'll get a better one i mean oh. i i feel like this coffee machine is from the future already so <laughs> And it would be amazing if they got an improved version of that. <laughs> so you are you a bit of a coffee aficionado then? Oh, absolutely. There's this show, Good Eats, and one of the uh, episodes they talk about how to make the best cup of coffee. So I've uh, I followed that to a T, and it's delicious coffee. Does it work? Because I mean, we're I mean, you know, obviously being from London, England, we're we're tea tea drinkers. Yeah, in, over yeah. here and. You ask someone here how to make the best cup of tea, and it's always different. Everyone always has different, like, quote-unquote, recipes. But it's like you'd say you've got the best coffee nailed down? <laughs> you know, you, you always think you have the answer, and you make a cup of coffee, and it's delicious. And then you go to someone else who's like, no, I can make a better cup, and you try it, and you're like, well, maybe that's better too. Um, I, I've had a, a fair amount of good coffee. The trick that I learned, um, which I never had thought about before, is in the grounds you add a little bit of salt and it cuts down on the bitterness and just gives it another layer of flavor. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I've been doing that whenever I French press my coffee. There you go. We're not only getting uh, some great insights into the recording of Type 0 HD, we're also getting coffee making tips. Hey, didn't think you were going to get that. <laughs> I'm making tea, milk afterwards, milk last. <laughs> You're milk, shaking your milk head. Last, <laughs> milk last in tea. See, yeah. I... I Always. Whenever I whenever I go to England, I always try to mix it up and drink tea. But I never put milk in my tea. But it's it's really good. It works really well. It all depends on what kind of tea. Yeah, because there's so many different types of tea. You see. Yeah, milk for me, milk only goes in like kind of the regular tea, like English breakfast tea. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise no milk. When people put well, milk in all grey, it's like, what are you what are you doing? Before I go back to London, I'll have to reach out to you guys so you can point me to the best tea place in the city and I can go try some some amazing tea. Yeah, yeah, for real. For sure. You should definitely come visit sometime. I, I would love to. I would love to. I uh I did a convention actually in England last year and uh everyone is super nice and I had a great time, so it would be it would be awesome to make it back across the pond. I think everyone would be very happy to have you. Well, hopefully we can we can make that happen at some point in the future. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's all the questions that we've got time for. Um, but thank you so much for uh, for speaking to us, Bryce. Yeah, happy to chat with you guys. But yeah, be sure to check back in the future. We've got loads more interviews with the cast of Type Zero HD lined up. Um, so yeah, it should be an exciting future on the Square Enix channel. Yes, <laughs> it will be. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again, Bryce. No problem. Have a good one.